The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Well, we're in our new series on peacemakers. And uh, last week we talked about what makes a conflict and how do you know whether or not you have, in fact, a real conflict that you need to, you know, stand your ground and really, uh, you know, take a position on. Or is it something that you just need to just let go and walk away from and turn your back and just say, that's just a, a small issue. And I said that I would teach you this week to how to stand your ground. So if you you realize you do have a legitimate conflict with somebody and you need to stand your ground, how do you do that? And so today we're going to go over that briefly this morning. I'm calling this speaking the truth with grace. Words play a huge role in conflict. And in fact, and I said this in an earlier service, and somebody came up to me afterwards and told me their story about it, but every single one of us can remember words spoken to us in a conflict. In fact, you can remember those words as if they were spoken yesterday, even though it was 20 years ago. When some person confronted you in a way or said something or yelled at you or, you know, you remember the words they use. And maybe if you don't remember the exact words, you remember how you felt, where you were, and what took place. Because words have a powerful influence in conflict. We remember them. They become a part of us. If words are used poorly then a simple disagreement can turn into a full-blown conflict. Or if they're used well, it can completely dissipate and disappear. But using these skills takes a lot of practice. And, and like anything that's new, it's awkward at first. I'll never forget the first time my wife said to me, Honey, I really would like you to learn how to do ballroom dancing with me. And I thought at that moment, is it too late to get a divorce? Uh, I mean, uh, can you imagine me ballroom dancing? Yeah, right. I know everybody there was laughing their head off. But it's so awkward at first. And in fact, I have to be honest, it never became. <laughs> it didn't take. <laughs> but it's any new skill you're trying. It doesn't feel right. It feels weird. But as you use it, as you work on it, it begins to improve. And it's not so weird. And that's the case with Dealing with conflict. And uh, so hopefully today you'll get some practical stuff. Let's start in James chapter 1 and verse 26. And this is one of those just bam verses of the Bible that just really hits you hard. This one is just, I mean, this is a slam in the face. James says this, If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, You are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. I'll say to the person next to you, wow, that one hurt a little bit. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, but you can't control your tongue, then it has a drastic impact on your faith and how you represent yourself as a follower of Christ. 
chapter 3 of James, if you go forward a couple chapters, he talks about the tongue in great length. And I want to read 12 verses here in James because this is beautiful, eloquent, and powerful. James 3, verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, sometimes this gets misunderstood to think that there's a separate judgment for pastors. And there isn't, right? The blood of Jesus is good for me as well as it is for you. And forgives all my sins like it forgives yours. And so there isn't a separate line in heaven. Pastors are over here. The rest of you are over there. Okay? We're all the same. In that. What he's saying is that if you speak a lot and you use a lot of words, then people are going to judge you for the words you use. People, are, So you know that. I'm burned in effigy every Sunday on your way home, right? You know, how did he do? Did he, was it good? Was it boring? Was it this? Was it that? You know, you give the critiques, right? So if you want to be judged every week, then go ahead and enter the ministry. If you don't like that, then you shouldn't. That's what he's saying here. You know what you have in our church? I mean, we, you really have a great safety net. You know how in, um, in um, coal mines, they'd take a canary into the mine, right? And then if the, if the bird dropped dead, then you, you need to get out, right? The, the air's bad. Well, you've got, my family sits on the front row. And so if I'm up here spewing stuff to you that I'm not walking in at home or I'm, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the hypocrite bird is in the front row. <laughs> and when I get home, boy, they will let me know, oh, you said something today, you know. And so, so you guys are well protected by having my family. When you see my family no longer participate, be worried. Especially with a series coming up. We might have to do something special for you guys, having to sit through that one. Verse 2. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we can control our tongues, we would be perfect. And also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want to by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. I should love that. It's a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is itself set on fire by hell. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so, blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. 
Does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. Powerful words about the tongue, reaffirming to us that from God's perspective, God is saying, listen up, people. The words you use are really, really important. Words used improperly on a child can completely destroy that child. Cause a lifetime of dysfunction in their life. Used words, in, words used improperly can destroy a relationship, destroy a marriage, and cause you to get fired, and cause you to be killed. Words are powerful. Words are important. And especially in conflict. So, right off the bat, there are some categories we need to avoid. These are not negotiable. These are all condemned by the Bible. And these are all areas that we need to put up guardrails in our lives and in our minds and say, we will never go there ever again. The number one, the first one is falsehoods. Falsehoods because it's not just lies. It's a misrepresentation of the facts. It's when you're in conflict, putting your spin on the truth. You know, presenting it in the most favorable light for you. Or just carefully leaving out some of the key facts. And so, it's not so bad. And sometimes people will go to great lengths to, lengths to lie to avoid conflict. Or, in fact... Uh, all kinds of falsehoods that cause the conflict to get even worse. It sounds a lot like politics, but that's what it is. Gossip is another one. The Bible forbids gossip. It's sticking your nose somewhere it doesn't belong or getting involved in somebody else's business and sharing information and things about other people that have nothing to do with you. Loose lips sink ships, right? Number three is reckless speech. Just words spoken without any care or any thought put to it. And just speaking continually and just throwing out things. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody? You walk away from that conversation and you say to yourself, Why, oh why did I say that? I think I, I've, I've done that so many times. And one, of the, one that I'm more famous for is uh, pulling up to Starbucks window. And just not being careful with my words and not thinking about it. And so she says to me, I'm, you know, I'm paying for my drink. And she says, what do you do for a living? And, and uh, I, you know, I, I'm a pastor. I'm also an appraiser. I went to college. And, and, and so I, she says, well, you know, I'm here, you know, working at Starbucks and stuff. And I said, well, you know, that's why I went to college. So I wouldn't have to work at Starbucks. And then she just looked at me like, you jerk. And you can't reach out and grab those words and put them back in. You know, they're out there. They go out. And I felt terrible. I felt so bad about that. It's just reckless speech blurting out of your mouth. The Bible says, get a rein on that. Don't do that. Don't go there. The next one is slander. Speaking badly about another person when it's not true. 
and uh, sometimes we fool ourselves about what's true and what's not true and we you know we say something that's 99% true and that's good enough for us but that still that 1% still moves it into that slander category and the bible condemns it says don't go there don't do that and the last one is complaining complaining spreads like a cancer one person's complaining that goes to the next person and did you hear about so and so and it goes on and on and on and god says avoid complaining don't do it so these all five of these categories these are some guardrails so you know they say that one way to avoid a bad habit is to replace it with a good habit so so practice this speak well of other people bless people and that's weird isn't it especially when you don't like that person when you're having conflict you have judgments towards them to speak nice about them feels awkward it doesn't feel normal he's my enemy how can i bless him and the bible says yes that's exactly what you do because that will keep you on track that'll keep you safe where you need to be Keep you from conflict by blessing those who speak ill of you. Saying good of them, not cursing them. You know that therapists and psychologists, they they tell us that that if if two couples are divorcing and the, 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 the mother and the father are speaking bad about each other in front of their children, you know, sort of to try and win their case by using it on the children, that it damages the child, that it doesn't help you win your case. It hurts the child. And so you should, even though you're separating from this person, even though there's conflict, speak well of that person. Bless them. Pray for them, Jesus said. Pray for that person who's persecuting you. Pray that God would bless them. Pray for mercy. Pray on them what you would want God to do for you. And sometimes that'll perfectly uh, guide your prayer. You know, I would like these different blessings, so I pray those on this person who is attacking me, who is hurting me. So, three simple skills. Let's go over them real quick. First one is real simple. It's be gentle. Say that with me. Be gentle. This is profound. And yet it's a complete no-brainer, right? I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? Do you... Here, let's say somebody is in your face and they're yelling at you. They're throwing their finger at you. They're saying stuff to you. They're letting you have it. What's your first reaction to that? Oh, thank you. I think this is great. Oh, I appreciate this. Oh, this is so good. I mean, boy, you're great. I Thank you. Is that how you respond to that? You know, does it make you want to comply? Does it make you want to appreciate what they're saying or agree with them or do what they're saying? And I don't know about you, but when people do that to me, I want to respond not as a Christian to them. You know, I want to, I want to let them have it back. You're going to come at me that way. I want to come at you, you know, this way. What's really bad is when the police do that to you. You know, I just I, I did something wrong, turned funny or something. Policeman pulls me over, comes out. He's just screaming at me, you know. And I'm looking at his gun and I'm thinking, oh, I can't scream back. You know, 
he's a policeman. You know, I'm sorry, sir. You know, I tell you, I, that is not how to defuse a conflict. The Bible, look, look at this. Proverbs 15, it says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. This was hard for me to learn as a father. I had to learn this over years, years it took me to learn this. Because, you know, as a man you go to work and you're in charge, right? You're in charge of your world. And you, you command people and they listen and they do what you say. At least in my world, if they're going to speak bad about me, they do it behind my back. You know, they don't say it to my, to my face. And so, uh, you know, and then I get home and I got a little five-year-old who isn't listening to what I'm saying. And, I, you know, and that's weird. You know, I'm used to getting some response. And so he'd yell at me and I'd yell back. He'd raise his voice more. I'd raise mine more. And it did nothing. <laughs> okay? It's just destructive. It doesn't... And until I finally get it in my head that a gentle response to him causes him to calm down. And then we can have a discussion and then we can deal with the conflict that is in front of us. A gentle answer is how we begin. Skill number two. Be quick to listen. James tells us in chapter 1 of verse 19, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So the message version says, shut your mouth. (laughs) Bite your tongue. Anything to close your trap and listen. Listen in conflict. You ever talk to somebody and you can tell by the look on their face they're working it out as you talk to them? You know, they're thinking through what they're going to say next or maybe they're even mouthing some words to themselves. And you know, they're not listening to a word you're saying. They're thinking about what to say next. And doesn't that drive you nuts? You know? And so you want to stop, close, don't say anything. And listen to what they're saying to you. Now, this is really tough when it's hot, right? And so sometimes you have to just stop, not say anything, collect yourself, and come back at it when you can be gentle and when you can listen. Here's some couple, just simple things that'll help. Don't interrupt them. Let them finish a sentence. Let them finish a, a line of thinking. Don't offer an answer or a solution to everything they say. Well, I did it because of this and because of that. And that was for this and that was for that. You know, that's not listening to them. You're all just defending yourself. Do you know that your brain can think four times faster than your mouth can speak? So that's why you take two words and you take half of one word and half of another word and you put it together and it comes out wrong. Because your brain is zipping through that, but your mouth isn't fast enough. And so you can think four times faster than they can speak. And you're thinking through your rebuttal. You're not listening. And listening is what's needed, James says. Listen to avoid anger. 
clarify what they're saying. Clarifying is such an important tool you can use. You say things like, well, I hear you saying da-da-da-da-da. Is this what you're saying? And often they'll say, no, I'm not saying that at all. Oh, please repeat it. Would you say it to me? And I'm saying this, da-da-da-da. You clarify it to get understanding. I hear you saying this to me. Is this what you're saying? Um, Wrong side. Another thing you can do is summarize what they're saying. You know, they say to you... uh, um, uh, so what I hear you saying to me is that I'm not treating you with respect. I'm barking orders at you. Is that what you are saying to me? Take what they said, put it in your own words, repeat it back to them, and give them an opportunity to respond to that as, yes, that's what I'm saying, or no, that's not what I'm saying. Another tool is to look for common ground. As you listen, listen for things you can agree with. Listen for things that you have in common, that you can share, and build upon that commonality to move on. Skill number three. Be clear. So be gentle. Be quick to listen. And number three, be clear. Here's some things that hinder clarity. Having a discussion with somebody... In the wrong place at the wrong time. Because there's a right place to have a conflict or to work out a conflict. Your mother is grieving over her mother who's on her deathbed. And so her mother's there in the hospital. She's on her deathbed. Your mother is there grieving over her. And you come up to her in the midst of that and say, Hey mom, I really need to talk to you about this issue. Bad timing, bad place. You know how you can, you can find out when it's right? Ask. <laughs> That's a great, simple thing. Hey, when would be a good time for you and I to have a discussion about such and such? And then when you give an answer, don't say, I don't know. Say, how about 8.30 on Wednesday? Or how about in an hour? Or, you know, give a specific time and then come together in a safe environment. You know, Jesus said, if you have a conflict with somebody, go to them in person. Go to that person and meet with them. So schedule a time, arrange it. You know, don't just run into them in Safeway, right? What happens? You get a big fight in the hallway and you both humiliate each other. Okay, so look for that right time and that place to be appropriate. Even with dealing with people in business, the person is behind the counter, say, excuse me, ma'am, may I just talk to you privately for a moment? Take three steps over and then have a conversation with them. So she's not humiliated in front of all of her coworkers and all the customers. You know, the right time in the right place makes for great clarity. Don't use the wrong media. If you use the wrong media, it can get really muddy and murky. Notifying somebody of something on Facebook, you know? I'm going to post my disagreement with you on Facebook and send you a picture. Not a good idea. Email. 
over the phone. All those are not as good as in-person, face-to-face. Now, sometimes you can't do that. You try your best, it doesn't work out. Send a letter. A letter's a good way. A letter has its weaknesses. I don't recommend a letter. I recommend face-to-face. If you can't, if you absolutely tried everything, try a letter. But don't send the letter until somebody else reads it. The problem with letters is somebody will get that letter, they'll read it 50,000 times. You'll sit there and they'll read it over and over and over. And they'll be coming at you on where you put the period. All right? And not just the issue. And they're permanent. You know, they could save that forever. So as one who gets letters from people, but doesn't write very many back, learn from me. (laughs) Face-to-face is better. You don't get all the emotion through these other methods. You don't see the body language. You don't see how they're looking at you, how they're responding to what you're saying. You can't tell through an email. And so going about conflict that way does not turn out well. One more tip. Plan your words beforehand. Write it out. It's a great little tip. Just write it on a piece of paper. This is what I'm going to say to so-and-so. And I'm going to say it this way. Have somebody else look at it. Give you some advice on it. Would you want to, to, to be spoken to that way? Would you want to be dealt with that way? And, and have it written out so that it's much easier for both. That you can have grace with truth. It's, a, it's something that we try and practice at our church. And we, we, we demand it with staff members. And we, we ask our leadership team to follow it. And we, we want to model this for the congregation. That's plus minus plus. So you never hit somebody with a negative. You speak the truth in love. That means you speak grace, then the truth, then grace again. You follow? Plus minus plus. So, hey, Bob, I really would like to talk to you about, uh, you know, uh, what's going on here. And I want to let you know how proud I am of you. What a great job you're doing. You've really been a blessing in these different areas. I love you and I appreciate you. That's the positive, right? That's good. You like hearing that? Negative. Here's one area where we need improvement. Things aren't going as well here. And this and this and this and this. By the way, I just want to reiterate how much I appreciate you, love you, respect you, and uh, and like what you're doing here. Now, can you handle that better than, Bob, you suck? Right? It's packed in grace. Try this with your kids. Try this with your kids. You will see remarkable improvement. Because, you know, you don't realize sometimes what you're spewing out. But your child is getting negative, 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 negative. Don't do this. Don't do that. Stop this. Stop that. And all they get is correction. Try plus minus plus. Poor kid. You know, Billy, you're doing a great job with this. And I really love this about you. And by the way, if you don't stop that, you're going to get a spanking. (laughs) I really love you, appreciate you. You're doing good with this. Okay? A child can receive that and understand it and respond to it. All right? Just hammering them does not produce good results. You may get compliance when they're 2 through 10. 
or even up to 15. Yell at them, scream at them, demand that they respect you and do what you say. But when they hit 15, they're going to give you the bird and say, see you later. They will hate you because all their life you've done nothing but say to them, I don't love you. You see, a child cannot reason like an adult. An adult can yell at you and you can say, oh, well, you know, it's her time of the month. Oh, she's having a bad day. Oh, she's, her mother passed away. She's grieving, right? You can work all that out. Child cannot. And so a child can only hear, you don't love me. I don't understand why me breaking the table here has got you so upset. And so you do that for the life of that child and they will grow up and you will be, you'll be reaping some really bad stuff. So don't do that. Instead, be gentle. Be gentle. Now, you know, it's hard to do, isn't it? Especially when you're fired up. You know, they got you hot. But God says... This is my way. Be gentle. Be gentle. It causes anger to dissipate. And then be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. And slow to become angry. Really think it through. Think through your words. And then make it clear. Don't be ambiguous. Make it clear. Do the things that promote clarity. Let me pray for you. Let's pray together. This is one of those messages that I am pointing at you, stepping on your toes, hopefully. At the same time, pointing at myself, knowing that I'll have to face my family afterwards. (laughs) They can hit me with the discrepancies. But I pray for you and myself that God would help us with this. Lord, As James says, it's true, we all make mistakes. We do. When it comes to this, Lord, we cannot tame our tongues without your help. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, we are out of control. So, Lord, today, we just take a step of faith and surrender our tongue to you and to the Lordship of Jesus. And God, help us, help us. To use the right words in the right way, in the right time, in the right place. Just as you said. So that conflict will produce good results and not negative. That we will live a blessed life and not a life of trials. We ask for your grace in this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.